I had something very unusual happen to me this week, and um, I'm going to ask you to um, use your imagination for the next few minutes. I know we're in church. I know this may be a little bit of a stretch, but I need you to use your imagination and uh, get a little bit creative. As a pastor, okay, here's where imagination needs to start kicking in, okay? As a pastor, I get a lot of mail across my desk. I get a lot of, not so much as maybe 20 years ago. Now it's all spam and junk email and buy this and do this and buy. And for someone who is um, really attracted to squirrels when I go for a walk in the park, it's really hard to stay focused sometimes. And so I usually try to undelete these things as soon as I, you know, like unsubscribe or get away. But we do occasionally still get snail mail in our office, and um, the most, some of the most interesting letters are the handwritten ones that say, this is what we're doing wrong, or this is what, you know, and they're kind of interesting, but I don't, give, don't normally give them a whole lot of weight. I always pay attention to handwritten notes and emails from our folks, so I don't want you to think I ignore every message that I get, but Something came in the mail recently. It was kind of interesting. It's this old, tattered, beat-up-looking envelope, and the writing was really unusual. And I, in fact, I had to dust off my Greek from a few decades ago. I mean, I, I've kept up with it pretty well because I like languages. But um, it wasn't... English, so that really caught my attention. And then, so I had to get to my, my Greek dictionary and figure out the alphabet, and, and basically, what I've got here today is a letter to the Elamites. That's us. A letter to the Elamites from the Apostle Paul. Pretty cool. So I need you to pay close attention. Because, because my mic just cut off again, Jerry. What did I do wrong? So I need you to pay close attention because uh, Brother Paul didn't send us a PowerPoint or anything like that. So I'm just going to be reading, but pay close attention. And imagine these are not my words necessarily, but the words of someone else who really has, who loves us and has our best interests at heart. So, here's how it starts. An open letter to the saints at Elam Chapel. Let me qualify this. You may or may not see yourself as a saint. Other people may say, oh, you're such a saint. But technically, in the Bible, the word saint is applied to anybody who follows Jesus. Now, when we think of saints, we think of Mother Teresa or someone way up there who's, you know, awesome and venerated and practically didn't even think about sinning, let alone sinned. But in God's eyes, we're holy. We're made clean as far as he's concerned. All the charges have been dropped. We've been acquitted of all the charges against us. And he sees us as holy, not because of what we do, but because of what he's already done. So when Paul calls us saints, it's because God declares us righteous, okay? Now, it'd be really good if you went home and tried to act like a saint this week, but that's your issue, okay? So 
an open letter to the saints at Elam Chapel. Isn't it wonderful how God has blessed us with every spiritual benefit imaginable? Just think of it. He handpicked us to be set apart for a service even before he made the universe. He decided that we would be adopted into his family through what Jesus did for us, all because of his amazing love that he has poured out for us. We've been bought out of our own slavery to our own self-destructive selfishness. We've been forgiven of everything wrong that we've ever done. There's certainly no end to God's mercy. Why, God has even let us in on his plan for the entire universe that will culminate one day in bringing everything in existence under Jesus' rule. God's plan is perfect. In fact, we were in on it from the beginning. When we responded to the good news about Jesus, we were given the Holy Spirit. Sort of like the seal, God's seal of ownership on us. And the Spirit's presence in our lives guarantees that God will keep working in our lives until the day that Jesus comes back. It's because of this that ever since I heard about the work of God at Elam Chapel, I've been thanking God for all of you. And here's what I ask God to give you. The Holy Spirit's wisdom so you can know God better. A deep appreciation of your new identity as Jesus' people. The hope that comes from knowing that your sins are all forgiven. And a first-hand experience of God's power. After all, it was this power that raised Jesus back to life when he was dead and then smashed Satan's power into smithereens. Boy, I continually wait for that day when Jesus rules over everything. Wow. Do you remember the way you used to live? Bound up in sin and self-centeredness, you were just pawns of Satan. Really, all of us were like that at one time or another, weren't we? We just lived for ourselves and for what we could get out of life. We were in deep trouble with God because God hates sin. But he sure loves sinners, doesn't he? Can I get an amen? Yeah. When we were spiritually dead as doornails, he made us alive again through Jesus. Man, we even get to reign with Jesus in the life to come. That must be the best way ever to demonstrate God's love. Adopting a bunch of ex-rebels and allowing them to share in the family inheritance. Now it should be as plain to you as the noses on your collective faces that there's no way of earning God's love or buying your way into heaven with spiritual brownie points. If that were true, heaven would be full of people bragging about how good they are or were. And the church has got enough of the Pharisee types in it already. Nope, the privilege of being a Christian is a gift. 
After all, we are God's special project. He's got all kinds of work for us to do. If Jesus has done this for each of us, then together we should realize that there's no room for racial prejudice in the church. Just like Jesus broke down the wall between Jew and Gentile in New Testament times, the common bond we have in him breaks down any racial barriers between Christians. And that's why God hates bigotry and racist jokes and prejudice. No one has God's special favor anymore. Jesus unites all Christians, no matter what language or ethnicity or socioeconomic level. Listen, even though you have a church building, and it looks very nice from the outside, I might add, your real church has been built by God himself. Yep, that's right. Jesus is the most important part of the foundation, and all of us fit together into an amazing creation of God, sort of like a magnificent cathedral, except without the walls. God thinks Elam Chapel is very important because it's part of his plan for the cosmos. He intends to use it and every other local church in Canada and in the world for that matter, to demonstrate what his new society is meant to be like. The angels are amazed. And the demons are outraged when they see God's grace working in a motley crew like yours in downtown Winnipeg. He wants to reconcile the world to himself, and you're part of his plan, whether you realize it or not. I wish I could be there personally to show you how I feel about you. I don't know all of you, and some of you I only know by name. But I get down on my knees and I pray for you. I want so badly that you understand how much God loves you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to grasp this simple fact. I hope that he makes you feel overwhelmed with his no-strings-attached love. What am I talking about? Of course he can do this. He is God, isn't he? In fact, He can do far more than anything we could ever dream of in a million years. Let's take a pause for a minute. God's heart is for us so much, and that's what Paul is trying to communicate in this letter to us. That God is for us. We've been adopted into his family. We're loved. We're equipped for the future. We have him with us. So it would be very appropriate for us right now to stop and share a family meal and then we'll continue on with this rest, with the rest of the letter. Well, let's get back to, the, to uh, Paul's letter 
to the Elamites. The first half is kind of more about theology and kind of who we are in Jesus. It gets a little grittier and more applied. I just thought I'd give you a heads up. But if this bothers you, don't, don't take it personally. It might just be the Holy Spirit giving you a gentle elbow in the ribs. You've been warned. I hope I haven't bored you with all the theology, and I trust that you've got a firm grasp on who you are as followers of Jesus. Why? Because I'm going to lower the boom on you. In love, of course. If God's made a difference in your lives as individuals, then you should live differently. Let me be blunt with you. In the name of Jesus, get your act together. Stick together. Forgive each other. And do everything in your power to live at peace with other Christians. Let the Holy Spirit help you love those people you find difficult to love. We all serve the same God, right? We all have different spiritual gifts and different roles to play in God's family. God wants us to grow up and to be spiritually mature so we won't get sidetracked into false teaching or cults. If this is to happen in your churches in Winnipeg, then smarten up and get on the ball. Don't keep living in your old pre-Christian lifestyle. You were in the dark and out to lunch spiritually and just living by the motto, if it feels good, do it. Come on, get rid of that old stuff. Throw out those old attitudes and behaviors just like you throw out the garbage on pickup day. Always tell the truth to each other. Learn to control your temper or your temper will control you. And stop ripping people off. Yes, even the government. Watch what you say and how you say it. Use your mouth to bless people and build them up, not tear them down. All that old stuff has to go right now. Greed, sexual sin, grudges, gossip, picking fights, pride, etc. Otherwise, you will brutally hurt the Holy Spirit who's trying to help you become like Jesus. Don't let yourself be influenced by friends and associates who will drag you down spiritually. You sure won't see anyone like that in heaven. So don't let these people lead you down the garden path. Maybe this analogy will help. Once we were totally in the dark about God stumbling around without a clue. God turned on the light of his spirit and we were totally new people. So why go back to living in the dark? Life is short. So living accordingly. Make the most of every opportunity God gives you. Be sure that you know how he wants you to live. Getting drunk is a dead end. You remember those morning afters, how they used to feel? Well, God wants you to keep on being filled with his Holy Spirit now. Not alcohol or any other addiction that might hold you back from being filled with him. Don't numb out, but keep on being filled 
with the Holy Spirit. And sing to one another. Sing to the Lord. God loves all kinds of different styles of music, so give him thanks with a glad heart. Submit to God. Put him first in your lives. Show this by submitting to each other and putting each other first. Wives to your husbands, respect them and care for them. Husbands to your wives, I'm going to say it three times. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Just like Jesus loves the church. I'm talking self-sacrificing, agape love that seeks the best for the other person and none of that Hollywood nonsense. Kids to parents. Children, obey and respect your parents so life will go well for you. Listen to mom and dad and their guidance. Parents, provide love and good role modeling for your children. Don't frustrate your kids by being a lousy, inconsistent example yourself. Employees to bosses, work as if you're working for God himself and as if you were pleasing him. Bosses, don't bully your employees or take advantage of them. Remember that we all report to our ultimate boss and submit to him. One more important thing before I close. When you joined God's family, you also joined his kingdom. Whether you're aware of it or not, we are involved in a spiritual war. So let's be on the alert. Know your enemy. We are not fighting people. But we're fighting wicked spiritual forces that defy the lordship of Jesus over planet Earth. So know your weapons. Use the belt of God's truth to hold everything together as a secure foundation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's his righteousness and clean living that he's given us. Use proper footwear to help you be prepared to share the gospel and your foot won't slip. The shield of faith will help you put out the enemy's flaming accusations that want to nullify you and demoralize you. Don't forget the helmet of salvation and learn how to use the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. Know your strategy. After you put on all this equipment, then pray all the time for all the people God brings to mind, especially your leaders and those on the front lines of the spiritual battle we find ourselves in. Keep pressing in, and God will give you the victory. And by the way, please don't forget to pray for me as well, because I'm often in trouble for the gospel. I love you all. Hope to see you soon someday. Your brother, Paul. Well, 
What's God said to us this morning? What has God said to us out of the book of Ephesians? As we've been studying it over the last little while, what, what has God been saying to us? Anything in particular sort of jump out at you in that letter? Or think back over the last few weeks and months as we've been studying Ephesians together. But I'm, I'm, I'm prepping you for a response right now. Just It's not meant to be rhetorical, but you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to share, hey, I think this stood out at me, this, you know, what, what has God used to, to, to resonate with this whole book of Ephesians stuff? Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I get it. Walter, you go first. Yeah, be loving towards everyone. Yeah, Tom. Love people unconditionally. Now that is simple, but it's not easy, right? It's a simple thing to understand. And the kids that Pastor Justina teaches, they get it. Why do adults make it so complicated? But it's a good point. It's interesting that both of you came out of that. Yeah, I'm here. Someone here. God's grace through Jesus. Yeah. Grace is a beautiful, beautiful word that we don't entirely get a handle on, but just the fact that God would forgive us of all the junk that we don't want anybody to see. And yet he does that through Jesus. It's beautiful. We're all connected through God. That's an excellent point, Amanda. And that's a good thing to remember in such a lovely, diverse crowd as this, that we are all connected through the guy in the window there, that we're all connected to the Father through Jesus. That's a beautiful thing to be reminded of. I was reading an article this morning about churches... um, who tend to have kind of the same kind of people. They go after the same demographic. And I understand in one level why that's important, but that just means that we, if you just hang around with people that look like you, you have a narrow view of the world, and it's a little boring, I think. So we're all connected to God through Jesus. Yeah. Anything else? That's an excellent point. Thank you, brother. When we engage in spiritual warfare, we need God to help us succeed. And many of us are not aware of this. And we haven't had enough teaching on this. And and that we may do some more equipping in that uh, in the future. But there is another kingdom that's occupying planet Earth. It's come in and snuck in and kind of taken over. And it's Jesus' desire that we work with him and take it back. And he's given us authority and he's given us weapons. And again, we're not fighting against people, right? People aren't the enemy. The people on the bus, your neighbors, people just not here this morning, even the people here this morning, they're they're not your enemies. People are not the enemy. It's the dark forces behind that. It just... 
Amen.